Hello everyone, welcome to episode 8 of The Real Spotlight. In today's episode, we are graced by the presence of Chandra, or as many of you guys might know her on Instagram, she goes by Film Forager. Hello Chandra. Hello. So tell us a little about you, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners know you already, but I know you have a podcast, so just tell us a little about yourself. Well, I think I've been on Instagram now coming up two years, well, Filmstagram, and um, yeah, I have a podcast with my co-host, Satch, who a lot of people know. Um, he was formerly known as the Films Critic, and he's still involved with the Films Critic. Um, now he like mostly goes with his personal account. And yeah, so we have the the Lord of the Rings slash fantasy podcast called The Fellowship of the Mic. And we just are talking more so right now about the Rings of Power and the House of the Dragon. Yeah, I write some stuff on Instagram here and there. Currently doing my top 100, which is taking <laughs> and will probably take 100 years. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it so far. Uh, before we uh, uh, we ask um, Chandra any more questions, I want to apologize to you because <laughs> I've been messing up your name so many times and I don't even know why the fuck I that's been happening. Literally say, every single episode. <laughs> I've listened to 26 episodes of your podcast. You say your freaking name every time. Saj says your name. And I, for some reason, I keep wanting to call you Chandra. And every time I edit this podcast, and I go, the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, and I know you listen to us, and you're like, Tony, it's not my name. <laughs> no, so, no, it's okay. I A lot of people call me Chandra, and I don't hold it against you. What really annoys me is when people call me Sandra, because, like, there's an H there. <laughs> yeah. That, for, I think that the H is messing me up. For okay. some reason, it's the H. So if it's okay, Saj calls you Shan. Can I just call you Shan? That would be much more easier for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. my nickname. So, Okay, that's the sigh of relief there. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> now we can start. I'm pretty sure he's called you Sandra a few times. Too yes, I think I have. Uh, yeah. Literally, the last episode when Minwa was on and I mentioned you, I had to stop three times because I kept saying Chandra. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> and I finally oh. got it. So we actually have a really fun episode packed for you guys. But before we get into any of that, I wanted to ask you, Chandra, see, I did it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wanted to ask you. I'm leaving you that said, in, by the way. I hope you do. Um, you said you started your Instagram, well, Filmstagram, two years ago. Uh, what motivated you to start it? How did you get into it? Um, well, it was the depths of the pandemic. So that would have been... Yeah, like late October, I think of 2021. No, 2020. I watched 1917. I was just blown away. Like I was already sort of writing like movie reviews in my Google Docs, like just like quick thoughts. And but this was the one where I was like, I need to get back into writing because the pandemic, I'm just sitting in bed, gardening, and then like reading. I was just like consuming. I was a consumer and I wanted to start creating again. And so 1917 was the movie that did it for me. And that was my number one film of that year. Um, Parasite's right behind it. So don't have a heart attack, Tony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then just like the community, I was talking to a lot of people on my personal account. And then, yeah, Julia Moving Pictures, she talked me into starting an account. And so I did. Wow. So you guys knew each other before you even created your account. Yeah, we were in like a horror group chat that Quinn started. Aww. So you've been watching movies for a long time, you said, but what, how did you discover your love for cinema? Like, what was it? How old were you? Who influenced your love, basically? 
my mom um, is the biggest influence. We had a lot of VHS tapes in our house growing up where my mom would actually have us alphabetize them once a year because we would, as kids, my sister and I, we would just destroy our cupboard that had all the VHS in them. Um, but she was really into action, uh, drama, right? like a lot of rated R stuff that I probably shouldn't have been watching when I was a kid. But I think the movies, well, obviously Lord of the Rings was a big influence on me, but even before that, I started, um, my love, I guess, really started with Gladiator. Uh, Gladiator was the movie where I actually looked in the back of the DVD cover and was like, this is the composer. I'm going to remember Hans Zimmer's name and like the director and everything like that. And I think that was the movie where I can pinpoint my actually started to do research for film. So for the podcast, what's your ultimate goal? What do you, where do you see yourself in two years with the podcast? Do you see yourself um traveling the world and like, you know what i mean like what do you want to is it just for fun like is it a release just to talk to somebody about something you love or is that something is it something you want to be like a career at first um it wasn't really like that it was just satch and i bonding over our love for the lord of the rings um trilogy but now that some things have been changing in my personal career path i satch and i have been really talking about you know, Satch always jokes. I don't think it's actually a joke, but he says like he wants to be the greatest Lord of the Rings podcast in the world. <laughs> um, and I mean, everybody has dreams, so I'm not going to say that we will ever be the best, but I'm hopeful. <laughs> so we're about to dive into our review of Barbarian. But before we do that, we ask all our guests, what's their top five so far of 2022? So do you have your top five, Chandra? I do. And speaking of Barbarian, um, <laughs> that's my number five. <laughs> of the year number four is um, bearable weight of massive talent number three is prey number uh i was gonna say 13 number two is 13 lives <laughs> and then my number one is everything everywhere all at once Woo! that's that's three for everything everywhere all at once <laughs> yeah the same with moi she that was her favorite as well i think she said it's her second favorite though remember <laughs> oh yeah sorry she had top mm-hmm. gun so she yeah. said top gun Okay, we're going to dive into our reviews of Barbarian. And this movie was actually very special to me. And I think Chandra can agree because it was directed by Zach Kreger, who was in Whitest Kids, you know, and up until like recently that I, you know, found out Chandra was a fan too. I didn't know anyone else. So (laughs) can you, I feel like you can relate to that. Yeah, I have some fun stories to tell you about Whitest Kids, you know, too, that I think you you would like. Um, So do you know Timmy? Yes. He's from South Dakota. Do you know Timmy? <laughs> no. He lives on the opposite side of the state, oh, which okay. is six hours away. But he also shares my birthday. So he's a birthday what? twin. That's like really weird. So you guys are both from the same state and you share yeah. birthdays. So Mania's like, Mania's like, oh, do you know him? Like South Dakota so small. Oh, you on, know <laughs> I mean, it is though. You're not wrong. Thank you. That. I don't know why I just because I think you always talked about how you're from a small town I just pictured the entire state like that so that's why I'm like I don't know it really is like that it's just um it takes forever to travel from one end to the other so it takes about seven hours to get from my end which is the southeast corner all the way to like the Black Hills and Mount Rushmore which is what everyone knows and that's all yeah it's like seven hours away yeah um before we go on you, you're saying how small it is and it's so secluded. Yeah, you got like six Instagrammers to visit you. I know. 
why they keep coming here, I don't know. Like I, I say, instead of I, saying, "Hey, let's meet up in Vegas," or let's yeah. meet up in uh, L.A. Seattle, yeah. And next time, if they ever come visit again, or if anyone wants to come visit, like I'm going there. Sorry, <laughs> no one is coming to South Dakota. Yeah, if you do Vegas, it's, only, it's seven hours, six and a half hours from from where I live, Tucson. So that's that's easier. I think yeah. I think yeah. seven it's seven like hours a, for me. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, that was. But anyways, that was off topic. But anyways, barbarian. What are your initial thoughts on it? Initial thoughts. I thought I just really appreciated how creative Kreger was. Um, he co-wrote it with someone, I think. I'm not too sure, but I just love the three chapters. It was he did he write it himself? He wrote it himself. Yes. Okay. Well, then even better. He the the three chapters i thought was really creative at first i was like okay i'm out of it now i'm after the first chapter ended i was like what's happening with justin long's character what is happening but then the more it progressed i was just i was sucked in it was a very good time that i appreciated well i have been saying this to myself and maybe i texted you guys separately but i appreciate when comedians turn to horror like Jordan Peele and John Krasinski. I just like John Krasinski. Wasn't he in an interview where he said, it's just like, you know, like comedians and horror directors just have an understanding. Like it's the same sort of timing. You have to have the perfect timing. And I think Zach Craig nailed it with this one. My, uh, what I thought about the movie was I am so happy. I did not know anything about it. I went in completely blind. I had no idea who was starring in the movie. I had no idea about White as Kids or what the heck. <laughs> I just went in. There was like two people in the theater. And I was really, the first few minutes, I was already hooked. I felt that the three parts at first, the second part with Justin Long, I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? Why am we in sunny California? And he's talking about this. And, and then eventually it ties into the movie. And then that third part is like, um, okay, it ties in. But at first, it's really hard to adapt. But once you get it, now if I saw it again, I'm, I think I'm going to like it more because I know what's going to happen. No, um, I, I, it took me so long to gather my thoughts on this movie. I had to let it marinate just because I think it was divided into three parts where I was, I was almost trying to think of each part separately, not as a whole but once I gathered my thought I was like holy shit I love this movie <laughs> like that that was my reaction to it I thought the writing was very clever there were a lot of callbacks to little details that worked into the story so well sure there were some like plot holes and like loose ends but I think the story was so engaging that I didn't even care um, the scare tactics were perfect it wasn't just one jump scare after another it was a lot of that s- subtle like scares that Tony's talking about like I, I remember that scene like towards the end where the camera like zooms out and you just see the monster's face in the attic and I was like whoa <laughs> like that scene kind of like gave me chills I was like that's really creepy but overall, I thought it was great. And I agree with what you said, Chandra. It's it's really amazing to see someone like Zach Kreger write something like this, which I made me appreciate it even more. I, I want to say that, you know, a horror movie is effective when the scene is not trying to scare you, but it still scares you. Can Time. we agree, though, that this was a really gross movie at times? The boobs were gross, yes. <laughs> I have I have something to say. My critique of like a lot of modern horror I gave the rating that I did, but I'm assuming we're going to do that in a bit, is that naked people 
are it's just like such a thing now in horror like mm-hmm. to show a naked person a, a naked old person specifically like it makes I've already talked Quinn's era off about this so he's probably <laughs> gonna listen to this and he's gonna be like oh here she goes but um all the movies like X it follows hereditary midsummer it chapter two like they all have naked old people in it and it's not even so much of like it's scary it's just like the wow factor like it makes you uncomfortable I don't like that's the one thing in horror that I'm just like so over with right now like just it does it's not scaring me I get that yeah that move the scene in X that really creeped me out when she's like spooning the girl (laughs) it wasn't scary it was just kind of like yeah uh, I think it's the idea of like being uncomfortable with the idea of naked old women I guess mainly but yeah, it, I, I actually didn't notice that there were so many out there till you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, like if you go to nude beaches in Europe, there's naked old people everywhere. So I bet I don't know how people in Europe will like even react to these scary movies. Like they're probably just used to naked old people running around. Um, I want to just say that I've never seen the actress that Georgina Campbell before. What has she come out in? Uh, I don't think I've seen anything from her. It's funny, she looks familiar to me. Oh, oddly enough, she was in an episode of Black Mirror that you maybe, mentioned. Okay, maybe that's where I remember her from. Yeah. yeah. But I thought she did really well. I thought, for me, she was the best actor, actress in the movie. I, I have a question, actually. Do you think Bill Skarsgård's character and Justin Long's character knew each other? Uh, I'm going to say no. Because I, I thought about this where he was saying that he's a, like a... a developer and he's trying to scope out scout out like new land to purchase mm-hmm. and that's sort of what justin long like he did that like he has property out there too justin long never finds out that bill skarsgård was the one who was like brutally murdered by this woman i just thought that they were like two rich people and he was sort of a a predator and so like i felt like possibly bill skarsgård i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt but like <laughs> what if he was also so, some sort of predator of, of some sort I that's, thought, I, yeah, that's a good theory. I thought he was well written, and the way he did it was perfect because I thought for sure he was the creepy guy who was gonna like tie her up and put her in a basement because he was being overly nice, overly. Oh, do you want this? Do you want? Oh, can I do this for you? Can I do like? Um, this is way, way too much. It, it was borderline creepy. Like, so I thought for sure that. He, he was going to be the person. Like, like again, I had I had no idea what was going to go on because I didn't see no trailers or anything. And I, I think Zach Kreger is like very intelligent in that way. Like he's not going to give you the whole pe- Like he's not going to give you the pie. He's going to give you maybe pieces like crumbles of the pie. Like he's not going to. He, he knows that the average horror watcher or any just like a movie watcher who's going to go see his movie is probably not going to be dumb. Like and so he doesn't have to give it all to them. Like you can use your imagination. Also, did you see, did you notice his cameo appearances? I did. I noticed him in the bar. Yeah, he but, was the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the one who he was telling the friend to. Like, I did, like, she did say yes, but, you know, only till yeah. I had to. And then he was the one on the phone, too. Like, I didn't, he, yeah. I don't when know. he's I in the car. Yeah. Like, so like, he talk- was the, he's the guy that's like, I believe you no matter what, bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Him. <laughs> Just and tell then, me, I believe you. Before that was whenever you were first introduced and he's driving on the highway one or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and he's on the phone with a, a girl and a guy. That's Zach who's on the phone. Fi- he's the guy. 
Oh, I can just okay. tell by his voice. His I was voice. Like, That's Zach. <laughs> well, he's saving a lot of money right there. That's yeah, all the yeah. money he can I save. I remember during the bar scene, I like nudged my boyfriend. I was like, "That's the director," and he's like, <laughs> he was so confused. Like, okay, <laughs> that's what I said to Micah too. I was like, "That's Zach." <laughs> he's like, "Who?" Yeah. So, all but, right. Um, so, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, what would you guys rate this movie? Out of five, out of ten, however you like to rate it. I have it as a four out of five right now. It could go up and it could go down. I think it's more than likely going to go up. Now that I know what to expect, I think uh, when I rewatch it, I think it could go up. Yeah. I have the same letterbox four, out of five, four stars out of five. And I think if I were to do a out of 10, I'd probably do 8.5. Yeah, I also gave it a four out of five. But, but much like Shandra said, I feel like this is a movie that... I'll like more on a second watch, most likely, just because, again, uh, the shock of like having it divided into three parts. I'm like, I know all that's coming now, so I can just focus on the story and the little details in there. All right, Shan, for the last two episodes, we decided to do a segment called Did You Know It's Revolutionary? I'm pretty sure no (laughs) podcast has ever done this segment. (laughs) So here we go. It's Did You Know Horror Edition by Mania. Did you know in Silence of the Lambs, Michelle Pfeiffer was the first choice to play Clarice. I did not know that. Tony, that's one of your favorite movies. Did you know that? I think I do know that because I did a post. I've done like three posts about actors who either rejected the role or just passed, you know, mm-hmm. passed on. I think that was one of those slides was uh, Jodie Foster and Michelle Pfeiffer. So I didn't know that actually. And speaking of Barbarian, um, did you know that the screen aspect ratio shifted from today's widescreen, sorry, the old standard like ratio, then the story changed to the 1980s? I thought that was actually really cool. I was like, we're talking about Barbarian. I'm going to look up facts about Barbarian. But I actually didn't notice that. And I think that's a pretty nice attention to detail. I didn't notice it, but I have to do trivia for the movie theater I work at. And we just had Barbarian trivia, trivia last week. And I did look it up. And oh, okay. I did see. I did, I did see yeah, so it was knew, in there. You knew. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think I didn't remember that. So that's my my bad. I don't know that. I didn't know that. That's definitely something that I'll have to look, you know, on a rewatch, just like focus on it. And lastly, I feel like a lot of people know this one, but you guys remember the bad Halloween movie Resurrection with Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks? There's been a lot of there's been a lot of bad Halloween movies. So yeah, but this is like exceptionally bad. (laughs) Like I can't even it's not even campy bad, at least in my opinion. But so Jamie Lee Curtis is in the beginning of the movie and she almost dies instantly. And apparently she didn't want to do this role because she thought uh, Laurie Strode had the perfect exit in H2O. But she agreed to do it, but only if she's killed off in the first opening scene, <laughs> like the opening sequence. Isn't that funny? <laughs> now she's doing a trilogy. I know. She thought Jamie money, had the perfect exit, but she's back at to- it. Money talks, I guess. <laughs> I've only seen the first original two and Halloween Kills. It was I actually awful. really like the 2018 one. I'm not. I think I would give it like a six out of ten, which is not bad, not great, but still, I would still recommend it. It was nice seeing Jamie Lee Curtis back as like a badass grandma. I don't know. I really, I actually really enjoyed the 2018 one. Okay, so let's go to this is something we haven't done yet. So we're just gonna do something fun here. It's we're gonna name <laughs> three cheesy guilty pleasures horror movie edition. So let's everybody give one and then we'll go around three. We'll do three. 
because um, that's the only I could find. But all right, let's start with our guest, Shan. What's your first cheesy ass guilty pleasure horror movie? Okay, this isn't in any order, but I watched recently, I think it was last year, I watched the New Zealand movie Black Sheep for the first time. And it's ridiculous. It is so funny and campy. And I think it's meant to be like that on purpose. We had a really good time watching that one. So that is a guilty pleasure of mine. Is it more or less weird than the Greasy Strangler? <laughs> well, I don't think anything can top the Greasy Strangler. But Black Sheep is like it makes no sense. It's just like an alien looking lamb that's like freaking out and like attacking people. It's really dumb, but it's so fun. Is it fun? Is it a great watch when you're drunk or high? Oh, drunk for sure. Yeah. And your movie? <laughs> did you just mention your movie, Manya? No, oh, I mean okay. I don't think the Greasy Strangler is horror necessarily, but if it was, it definitely. I my goal is to get as many people as I can, at least twenty, to watch the Greasy Strangler. But no, the movie I had, one of the three I put down was Abraham Lincoln. Vampire Hunter. <laughs> I still uh, need to see that. I haven't seen that either. It's it is what the title says, and it's awesome. There's one movie that I just thought of right in my head. I haven't seen it yet, but it's called The Velocipaster. Oh, I've seen it. It's. I thought you know, it was so ridiculous, like the name, and then I saw the trailer. I'm like, damn, this is so bad that I have to see it. <laughs> uh, all right, my first movie. Um, it's Return of the Living Dead Part Two. That was 1988. Aren't there I'm like actually, seven of those? I've only seen the first two, but part two is nowhere near part <laughs> one. All right, Shan, what's your second one? Velocipaster. It is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <No>! my God. <laughs> yeah, you have a good poker face. Because <laughs> when I said Velocity, you're like, straight face. Like, you, you're holding a pair of aces. I was actually, I was looking up another movie because I forgot about this one. As soon as Mania mentioned um, oh. Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter i thought of another one that we have on vhs and i i was like i'm gonna scratch off my number three and write this one instead well you should still let us know what was your number three <laughs> okay um so yeah no but Velocipaster, i've seen it twice and it is just a really good time i it's so cheesy and ridiculous but i love dinosaurs <laughs> so is and, he is uh, what's the what's like a quick synopsis of the movie it's what the title says, Tony. No, but is he like a zombie? Or I don't say. Oh, he like baptizes the okay, philosopher. I'll tell you. I'll tell you really quick. <laughs> he's becoming like a a priest, and as he's becoming a priest, his mom and dad get blown up in a car accident. So in order to like mourn their deaths, he actually like takes a break and goes away to like China to like like just get away. And then while he's there, there's like a a velociraptor claw that like is cursed or something and it like cuts him and he ends up turning into a velociraptor oh so he turns a, himself oh okay yeah he it's like a curse and he's a velo he's a he's a pastor who can like transition it's kind of like a werewolf like he okay. just like can't control it he just turns into a velociraptor i have to see it how you just described that with the straight face is beyond me but <laughs> even though the scene where his parents get blown up and it says vfx fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they, they don't have enough no money. No effort. <laughs> All right, what's your second one? Well, mine are definitely. I feel like I should have chosen more of a guilty pleasure, like the Greasy Strangler. But the second one I have in here is Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers. This is the one with Paul Rudd, and I Paul acknowledge. Rudd. Yes. <laughs> and I acknowledge that this movie is awful. Like they defeat Michael Myers at the end with like runes. 
boy, I have a fun time watching this one. And it's funny because this year I'm not watching any Halloween movies except this one. Which one is that one? It's the fifth. No. So the third one is, I think it's the sixth so one. So many damn Halloweens. <laughs> I know. It's um... it's the 12th one. No, because no, the third 13 one... has like 12, right? Yeah. No, because um, the third one is that season of the witch one which doesn't even have michael myers and then we're introduced to jamie the little girl and there's one more after that so it's the sixth one uh, my second one is i know what you did last summer I love that's that just bad you love it <laughs> i love it's like six percent on tomatoes i don't care i love it <laughs> no i, I thought i watched that one um, all right what's your last one Shan? all right well i had darkness falls written down i used to love that movie when i was a kid i used to scare the shit out of me Mm-hmm. but have you seen that one tony mania seems to have seen it <laughs> yeah because uh when i first watched it i was like what in seventh grade and me and my best friend were like this is the scariest movie i've ever seen and like we loved it and we were creeped out of like the dark bathrooms <laughs> yeah I, I think i became afraid of the dark because of this movie no, I was, yeah. you're so... laughing but when you're a wee <laughs> little kid watching this the truth no i was after you. Like I, I think I mentioned in the podcast, I don't know. I was traumatized by Exorcist when I was eight. For like, so I've I've been traumatized by horror movies. All right, what's your last one, Mania? Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> You're saying that, but this is one of the campiest movies ever, in the best possible way, in my opinion. And no, I'm not laughing because I'm laughing because my mind is kind of similar. But... Oh, okay, yeah, and I just love that nobody wins at the end. You don't know if Freddy wins or Jason <laughs> wins, and there's never a sequel, so it just stays at Freddy versus Jason. Uh, speaking of Jason, um, minus five, thirteen, part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> that was so awful but it's in manhattan so he's just like killing random people because i think prior to that all seven parts he's always in the woods and some cabins where you know people are having camp or something he's always killing people in camps i think this is the first time he actually goes to a city you know and then he ends up he ends up in space but i thought since you're queen of lord of the rings shan i'm gonna do rapid fire lord of the rings um just Whatever pops in your head. Okay? okay. So here we go. Favorite scene in the trilogy. Boromir's death. That's really emotional. You know what? That that got me when I watched it on IMAX because the music in the background, when he's holding Aragorn's, Aragorn's hand and he's saying, oh my God. <laughs> like I'm in the back. So I'm like, no, nobody's watching me, right? <laughs> All right. Next one. Favorite and least favorite character. Favorite character is always flip-flopping between Sam and Aragorn son of Arathorn and but I think it's more so Aragorn then least favorite is oh that one's tough can, can I name like a bad a bad character like one that you're supposed to hate versus like one who is like a good character that you hate yeah that's fine okay like the bad character that I hate is um Denethor and then like a good character who's supposed you're supposed to like him but I don't is Theoden I don't really like Theoden I think he's a dick <laughs> he should have stayed he should have stayed possessed is that what you're saying he just should have treated Eowyn better that's all I'm saying <laughs> okay so your favorite character is Aragorn I want to say Aragorn who would you recast if you had to do the movie again I hate I uh, I can't do these questions because <laughs> my brain is just gonna say Vigo again <laughs> I'll just recast old Vigo yeah 
He still Aww. looks good. And that movie he just did. At the, it was in your well, number two, right? Thirteen lives. Thirteen lives, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but okay. So you're gonna say Vigo. That's a cop out. You have to pick somebody. Tom Holland. Um, hell no. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. No, not but he's not big enough. Hmm. You definitely not Tom Holland. I don't know. That's I. I, I guess maybe you should have given that one for me for a warning. I guess I didn't know that you could do that one. <laughs> um, maybe like Joel Edgerton. I like him a lot. I could see. Is he tall enough though? Oh, I, don't I see know. that like, they're all short. Um, next question: A character in the trilogy you w- wish were played by somebody else. That's hard too. That, those are like perfectly casted movies, Tony. Those are impossible. I questions. have one, but it's gonna make Shan really upset. It's gonna be Orlando Bloom, I bet. No. Okay. Who? Liv Tyler. I could see that. I just yeah. think she didn't fit. I, I don't. Nothing against her. Doesn't bother me that she's in the movie. Like those love scenes are like. I wish they would have had somebody more experienced. I, I wish I knew the story. I, maybe you know about how she was casted or if there's anybody else that was going to play the part. Um, I don't know. But yeah, that's the one that I would have gone with somebody else. Um, but anyway, you have somebody? These are hard-hitting questions here. I mean, Arwen is a good idea. Like Liv Tyler, I would agree. Or maybe even, and this is going to, everyone's going to start unfollowing me on Instagram, <laughs> Elijah Wood. Hmm. I guess because I've seen the movie so many freaking times. I can't see nobody else. And he's like this, basically his face. Um, but I'm thinking about everybody his age back in 99. And I can't think about anybody. You have somebody that you think would have been better? I like, don't know. I can't, I can't put nobody's face with his face. I can't, but I could think of like without having Elijah Wood's face, like just the bug eyed looking, you know, actor that he is. Um, I feel like I could place someone else there. I just don't know who it would be. Hmm. Like, it, it doesn't have to look like Elijah Wood. Like, people are like, oh, Daniel Radcliffe and him look a lot alike. And they were, were out in the same franchise at the same time. Or, you know, different franchises at the same time. But, yeah, no, I don't know. I think I could think of someone else, just not right now. <laughs> All right. Well, when you come back, well, I'll ask you that again. <laughs> okay. I'll start thinking. <laughs> Last question. What race would you want to be in Middle Earth? Elves. Elves Easy. all the way. Mm-hmm. You want to be a hobbit? No. Just... <laughs> Even I though I... I relate to the hobbits more. Like, I love eating and drinking and living in the woods. Well, elves I do would, it too. I think I would love to be just post ring destroyed, just living in the Shire, just <laughs> hanging out, smoking weed, reading books in, in the woods. <laughs> That's a life right there. I don't know what, what else to say. All right. So um, since you're here, we're not going to go into detail. Rings of power. I just listened to your episode of partying, right? You and such were struggling. <laughs> you you were doing your best to be, you are actually doing your best to be optimistic. And such is just like the guy is running on fumes with his optimism and he's trying his best. So overall right now, um, did you watch the seventh episode? Yeah, we're we're caught up now. You're caught mm-hmm. up. Okay. So it was one episode left. What is your rating of the show right now without seeing episode eight? Like overall? I'm torn between a six and a half and a seven out of ten. I don't have as many issues with like what I really appreciate about the show, and I mentioned it in our podcast, was that I love how in depth the writers are how in depth the creators and writers are getting into like the lore of all of Tolkien's works. 
because that's something that Jackson never did. He just mm-hmm. sort of like gave you like a little taste and then like you're just supposed to fill in the gaps. Whereas the Rings of Power, they're delving way more into the lore. And I really appreciate that. And I want to like, I want them to elaborate more on everything. But at the same time, the editing and the writers aren't very good right now. And I think that there are too many hands in the cookie jar and they just need to figure out a concise thing in the writer's room. But with that said, they're already filming season two when they aren't even giving any time for constructive, uh, constructive criticism. I don't even they probably already have everything laid out the way that they want it to. And they're not even going to acknowledge any of the fans criticisms. So, um, yeah, the, the editing and the writing are my biggest issues. I think I mentioned in the other podcast that they should have spent way more money on finding excellent writers. I think yeah. like the show looks great and uh, production, everything looks great. Music, but here, here's I'm gonna hey okay, I'm gonna be such I'm gonna compare it to House of the Dragon. So for me, once House of the at six p.m. on Sunday, I have to watch the show House of the Dragon. I need to watch it because I'm so invested. When Rings of Power comes out, I go okay, I'll watch it. You know, tomorrow, tomorrow. I had Shen, I had to make coffee because at the twenty minute mark, I think I fell asleep, and I woke up at the forty five minute mark, and I go, "There's still half an hour left." And I, I just my overall feeling is, I like I said, we don't, we're not gonna go into depth. It's just there's way too many characters, and I would have loved them to just focus on Harfoots and Elrond, Durin, and all. Durin and Elrond, that storyline is my favorite of the show. There's no investment. Like I'm, I'm forcing myself to watch it, and I don't want to feel that way because I'm, I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. I thought this episode seven was gonna be insane, right? Because you see the, and I go, nothing happens. Like actually, at the last two minutes, we get the references from Lord of the Rings, you know, and. <laughs> What are we going to call it, father? And you know he was going to say, he doesn't even say it. It just shows up. I kind of like that. I know that a lot of people didn't. I'm glad he didn't say it. We knew like that was going to happen. We knew the the, all that stuff. But I just hope that it picks up in season two and they they focus more on few characters because there's just way too many. So I I feel such like I don't dislike it as much as him because I thought episode six was good. Like I I gave it like a 6.5, almost a seven. And then I go, okay, I'm ready for seven. And then boom. Yeah. The the fluctuation is really what gets me like pick a vibe, like just pick what you want to do and stop like teasing us. Like you can't have a really good episode and then have like a bad episode. What are you doing? And I feel like that has something to do with the directors and the writers. Just this is too much. There's not consistency. Mania is like, I don't know what you're talking about because I stopped after episode three. <laughs> and let me tell you, half of episode more than half of episode three, I was on my phone. So <laughs> I think I think number three is actually my second favorite episode. With that said, that's not saying much. <laughs> that's the one that I went off on. <laughs> I know. I don't know. <laughs> when I listened to your guys' episode, I was at work and I was like, oh man, this is this is I can't listen to this. <laughs> I did, I did listen to it, but I was like, this is uh, I, I was just, for some reason I think I was upset because I really enjoyed the second one. Mm-hmm. Like before number six, like the second one was my favorite out of the seven. And just kind of like I don't care about all these other people. <laughs> just give me the dwarves. Give me Elrond and Galatriel. <laughs> just come on. Who cares about these Isildur and his whatever his dad? Is, uh, 
if it wasn't for Amazon Prime having that function where you could press up and see who the characters are, I wouldn't know who anybody is. All right, so we're going to move on. If you want to listen to more <laughs> of in-depth, you just go to the Fellowship of the Might podcast with Shandra and <laughs> um, Sash. They do a great job. When do you guys, I, I noticed that you guys are trying to drop more episodes recently, like the last month, because before you guys were doing like one every two weeks, three weeks. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 calm down. I gotta, I gotta catch up now. <laughs> yeah. That's just because we wanted to stay in sync with rings of power. And then we got to like maybe episode three and then Satch is like, are we going to be talking about house of the dragon? And I was like, that's a good point. Maybe we should do some episodes about house of the dragon. Cause it's fantasy and we're not, we're not going to not talk about the better of the two fantasy shows. Mm -hmm. So then we started dropping episodes on House of the Dragon and then we ran out of like our upload time on Buzzsprout. So now we have to take it slower again. Yeah. Now I'm like, I have two episodes backed up doing two, like, you know, like the Rings of Power, we're doing, you know, seven and eight together and House of the Dragon, we're going to do seven and eight, I think. All right. So you're going to do seven and eight and then we're going to do seven and eight right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we're going to, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of episode seven because I really want to dive into episode eight. Uh, we start with the funeral for Lena, the one of the most awkward <laughs> funerals ever. Everybody's there. And I did learn that, did you know that that was the first scene they shot? One of the first scenes they shot. So everybody's meeting each other for the first time. So that was kind of cool. Renera and Damon get it on on the beach. Uh, oh, let me ask you a question. Was it too dark? Was it long night edition for you guys? Could you actually see? I thought it was a little dark, but I could tell it was a stylistic decision so it didn't bother me too much uh it, i just took my eyes a little bit a little bit of time to just adjust <laughs> yeah i felt at first i was like this is a little bit dark but it's like supposed to be like dusk and dawn and i was like i'll, I'll let them slide for this <laughs> just because it's like more romantic to do it on the beach yeah. and at dusk i don't know right, after that we get the scene with uh, prince amon he claims um leonor's dragon vagar who is the biggest dragon in all the world. Did you notice before he claimed the dragon that you were sympathetic to Amon? He felt like he, you thought like he's a good kid. Like you, they're bullying him and, and he got a sense that he wasn't a bad seed. But did you notice once he got the dragon, he's like, fuck this. I'm a, did you see that? <laughs> that switch? Yeah. Like the cockiness just turned up to a, a 11 in that kid. As soon as he got Vagar, I, I, I was like loving him because, yeah, there's another scene too where it's just like Eamon and him around the fire pit, like right outside on the deck. And then like they just look at each other, but neither of them say anything. Okay. After Eamon gets his eye cut out or slashed by Luceris, one of the best scenes of the series happens when Allison is pissed and she wants revenge. Basically an eye for an eye. So she like orders Colt to get freaking Lucerus's eye and he steps in, uh, Viserys steps in. Did you kind of see her character just break? Like she was trying to hold it together and all of a sudden Allison is like, I can't take it anymore. I have to do something when she takes the, the sword or the knife. I Again, I know this is from the same people, same guy who wrote Game of Thrones. So anything can happen at any given moment. But for some reason, something in me told me it's too soon for anything too big as far as like a main character death like that to happen. Allison. No, but she, yeah. Well, I guess the question was, let me rephrase it. She's been so good at holding her 
in her emotions. Oh, you're talking about Allison losing Allison, it. yeah, yeah, losing Oh, yeah, shoe. I definitely yeah. saw that coming. <laughs> uh, but, Shan, do you remember Amon's quote that I thought was one of the best quotes? Yeah, he says something like, um, it's okay, I got an eye, like, it was something about the eye, but now he's got a dragon now. Yeah. I thought I was like yeah. a little too mature. <laughs> a little kid's like, don't worry about it. I lost an eye, but I got a dragon. But um, yeah, so that that was a really intense scene. One of the most intense. Let's get to um, Damon and Renera. She's pretty much telling him we need to get married. And he says, well, we can't get married. What did you think of that montage of her talking about that she loves Lenore? And then you have Damon talking to Lenore's lover. I think it's Carl, something like that. Mm-hmm. And they Carl kinda, with a Q. Yeah, Carl with a Q. They set up a murder. They're gonna get rid of Lenore. Poor Princess Rainey's man. She just keeps losing everybody. First her daughter, and now her son. Well, so she thinks. We know the ending. We see Lenore escape the island of Driftmark. But did you think he was dead? I didn't because that fight, the fake fight between him and Carl, seemed a bit theatrical. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, this this seems staged. So. At that point, something clicked. And then there was that random kill on the stairs that Damon did. And I was like, this is a plan. They're going to plot something. And yeah, I, I kind of felt in my heart that he's not going to die. Yeah, I, I did for a split second. And then and then you see that he's fine. But I it actually, the the murder in the, on the staircase just went over my head. I had I was talking to another person on Instagram and and they like they also read the book and they were just like, oh, no, no, that was like, that's just a, a dummy to replace Leonore. And I was like, oh, OK, that that makes sense then, because, you know, Rhaenyra loved him un- enough to to not want to brutally murder him, even though Damon probably would have been fine doing it. And that's I think that's a good change in the book. He's dead, dead. So. I, I like the fact that he's he this dude escapes to the through the narrow sea to the free cities. He's chilling with his lover. He's hanging out and then all hell is breaking loose in Westeros. He's just having the time of his life. But he doesn't like realize. That. Yeah, I just kind of like I, I like the fact that he they didn't kill him. So I don't know how that's going to fit in the future, because like I said in the book, he's actually dead if he shows up again in the show. So that's that's going to be interesting. So what would you give this episode seven, Shan? Like rate it one through ten. Um, I did rate it on serialized, but I <laughs> forgot what I wrote. Um, let me just look it up real quick if someone else wants to go. Uh I it's funny because I didn't know we were gonna talk about this episode. I didn't think of a rating, but I did think this was a really good um there was so many good scenes in there. That interaction between Renera and Allison, I think it's one of the best ones of the season so far. Um, so just for that scene alone, I think I would have to give it like an 8.8 out of 10. I'm just going to do, um, 8.5. Aishan, what was your score? Did, did I you didn't, say your score? No, an 8 out of 10. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into episode eight. Ashley, let me ask you a question. Let me go back to episode six, as I forgot to ask you and Minwa last week. Do you think that Lena in just one episode, like we would have had her for at least three, four episodes, do you think that scene of her dying with her own dragon would have been more of an impact emotionally? Maybe, but at the same time, much like Queen Emma's death, I think it was just so tragic and sad. I don't think it would have mattered all that much. I still sympathize with the character, and I thought her scene with her dragon was really beautiful. Yeah, and I wrote some notes down, actually, for 
um, and to compare to Rings of Power, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to do it. This is why Rings of Power isn't great, because even though the funeral scene in Driftmark, like you, you feel like it's lingering way too long, but that's realistic. That's how funerals are. Like, it's really awkward and like no one talks and it's just like you're there for two to three hours just like not saying anything to anyone because you don't know what to, to say. And Rings of Power really struggles with just sitting like that, yeah. just sitting with the characters and getting to know how they're feeling. And this one, I think, really did a just phenomenal job. At first, I was just like, OK, come on. But then I thought about it more. And same with like Lena and Emma, like Mania said, I, I probably would have felt a little bit more attached to them if we got a little bit more time with them. But it's not needed because the writers did what they set out to do. They, fi- they just figured out a way to do it to get you emotional no matter what. Yeah, I was just surprised that she was only in that one episode. All right, so episode eight has another time jump of six years. Uh, so what did you think about that opening scene? I was pretty confused by the stuff with Corliss. Um, I'm not a fan of him not being in there. I love Cor- Lord Corliss so much. And so I'm, I don't know. I didn't really like that that he's not in this episode and that he's just like off screen injured somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't like that. Yeah. I was telling Mania that he, I think <laughs> I, we, we've already mentioned it, but he just looks so good. <laughs> that hair, it just works. I first, I always thought that Vayman was his brother and then I had to look it up and it's his oldest nephew. Mania, did you notice that uh, Reyna, who is the youngest daughter of Lena and Damon, she's like, what did she say? She's like, well, my grandmother's doing a great job. <laughs> Something like that. She's yeah, like, um, honestly, Rainis is my favorite, probably one of my favorite characters. I love her and I really hope we get more of her. Like, I hope she's not one of those characters that's going to die any second. But I, I actually really like that scene. I know what you mean, Shen, because... I, I love Lord Corliss a lot. So not having him there was like, darn it. Like, is it gone for good now? But which seems like it. But I liked it. I thought it was a good opening scene. I like the little jab that uh, Rainey's granddaughter threw into the one you just mentioned about, oh, my grandmother fits well on this throne kind of thing. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So the whole point of uh, Vayman being there, he's telling Rainey's that he's going to go to King's Landing and that he has support from the high towers. And right away, we noticed that there's been a renovation to King's Landing and the castle. And it's all the Faith of the Seven. And you guys remember the Faith of the Seven from Game of Thrones. All right. So let, let's talk about, Shan, what is your, what is the standout scene in, the, in this episode? Well, we get to the scene where everyone is trying to uphold the legitimacy of the Driftmark throne, whatever. And finally, when King Viserys walks out. So I, I don't know if you heard in our podcast, but I was like the scene when Alicent comes out at the reception of the wedding. I didn't feel as like like she was a really powerful woman until I rewatched it. But the first time I watched it, I was like, this isn't really that great. This is like Viserys walking out like that. I was like, holy shit. Like this guy is not on the milk of the poppy. He like purposely tried to not drink it. He's in pain and he walks out. I was crying the entire time. <laughs> you know, I think I think Shantra said it best, like really well. I that was such a powerful scene. I felt so emotional watching it, as if that was my own grandfather walking like down a 
you know, it was just, uh, it's just such a good scene. And I wanted to cry. But at the same time, I felt happy seeing him like that coming in to defend his daughter yet again, despite being in so much pain. Uh, just beautiful scene. The, the thing that really got me was when his crown fell and Damon was there to pick it up. I know. I think I like cheered at the team. And I don't, up until last night's episode, I didn't really like Damon. But when that scene happened, I literally just like fist pumped the air and said, Damon. <laughs> and <laughs> I right, got so happy. <laughs> right before that, he looks at Otto and says, I'll be sitting in the throne today. This isn't get the fuck out of here. I want to yeah. sit here. But before I talk about that scene, there's one scene before when Renera goes to him, and I think it's her best acting performance in this series so far, where she's pleading to her father, you gave me this burden, it's too heavy, I need you to defend me now. And just everything was beautiful about that scene. And what got to me was when he said, my only child, like that you're the only child I actually love. <laughs> These mm -hmm. other three morons I don't love. When that music started blurring up, when he comes in, yo, that shit. I'm just going to say it. This is what I want to say. I think that's my favorite scene of the whole series so far. Yeah. Because it took, it felt like he took forever, but it was perfect. That's <laughs> because, the thing. It didn't feel dragged on, even though they filmed the entire thing of him slowly walking from the doorstep to the throne. Like, it, it just didn't feel dragged out or i don't know it's just such a beautiful scene i can't and say anything I think else about it. it and this and like i mentioned in the last episode he loves his daughter and this was like like again you guys said this is the ultimate like he wouldn't do this for aegon or aemon or helena he's not gonna do that for them he's gonna do it for renera even with so much pain the guy looks like a decrepit skeleton even in so much pain, he sits down, he's out of breath, has no energy, and he goes, I'm confused. We're talking about something that's already been mm -hmm. settled. Why are we doing this? Like, <laughs> such a perfect remark to start. And then Raymond, you, I guess you can't blame, do you blame him for being this upset? <laughs> that's my question. Like, he's right. I mean, they don't have the Valarian blood. But by that same right, though, like, um, I also I felt for Vaymond at some some points. Yeah. Because he just doesn't want his house to die. And yeah. I get that. But I don't know. Like, I mean, I like the previous episode when Rainies and Corliss are talking about like blood is blood, a name is a name. Like yeah. in the history books, no one's gonna remember the name. And so I think that got to Rainies. She never she said that she never doubted it, even though she did. And like she wants Bela and Reyna to be something. You know, like just because they're women and they're married off, now they're Targaryens. I feel what Vaymond is like going for because after him, that's it. The, the house is going to die. Yeah, because we don't, again, we don't know about Lord Corliss's status. He might be dying. And then if Reyna and Bela have kids, they're not going to be, they're not going to take their the Valarian house name. So yeah, he might be the last one. Did you think he was in a, the, did you think that outburst was, that he did was coming did you feel that coming i'm glad it was him and not someone else honestly like i, I feel really bad for him and that you know he is probably the last Valarian. but i don't know I, I feel like it was better him than like say someone uh, allison's kids or something but mm -hmm. the way that man had that bastard in his stomach the way he said it <laughs> the way he said bastard was just so damon's like say it i double he's basically i double dare you say that shit 
<laughs> because he knew that he knew that if he said it, he was done because he knew Viserys was going to do something. Yeah, I think he went, the moment he said it, it almost felt like suicide. Like to him, it didn't matter anymore. At least that's the impression I got because he just said it, even though he knew it's treason. And then he turned around and called Rhaenyra a whore. And I was like, whoa, you're really just you're digging your own grave right now. Like, and I think he was kind of doing it on purpose. I just felt like he didn't care at that point. He was just so angry. He was seeing red. I like the fact that Allison's face wasn't happy or sad. She was just like straight face. She didn't, mm -hmm. she wasn't like, oh my God, or yay, he's going to say bastard and she's a whore mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Viserys gets up, you know, bless him. He takes off his little knife and he's like, what did he say? You shall pay for that or something. I don't know. He didn't say that, but your tongue your yeah something like that and then and then a split second damon takes dark sister and slices his head off with the tongue and then he kind of has a arnold schwarzenegger line uh what did he say with the tongue he can keep his he tongue. Can, can keep his tongue <laughs> that kind of felt like an 80s action <laughs> movie line before we move on from the scene though another reason why i liked rainy so much in this episode was even though she could have vouched for herself to be the queen she still put her granddaughter's best interest forward and i thought that was so cool <laughs> that's right because renera said oh why don't we marry the kids off and, right yeah, yeah she she respects corliss in that way too like i could say i could lie and i could say corliss always knew that they were bastards and blah 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 blah. but she doesn't she's like this is what corliss wanted even though it's not what i want and our daughters don't have the best interest in that i'm gonna take up Rhaenyra's offer and then they will have a be better interest um another amazing scene with Osiris is when he gives that speech in the dinner table he looks around and I felt so happy and sad for him at the same time because it was the first time he saw his family like getting together because they had like a two little minute montage of them laughing and drinking and you know and then in the back of your mind you're like okay okay what's gonna happen some game of thrones is not this festive and and everybody's having a good time any any thoughts on that that dinner table scene I love the it. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, 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 no you go, go. You go. You go. <laughs> That's the other scene that I was gonna say were really impactful. Like that. That was the other one. I just really, I was just crying the whole time again. Like I cried everything. So just that's not new. But the moment, because I felt him like everyone is giving Viserys so much shit the entire show. Like, oh God, he's a bad king. He's not a very good father, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's just get rid of him. How come he's not dying already? Like he should be dead. Why is he still holding on for this long? And then in this moment, I was just, ah, oh, I felt for him in so on so many levels, like, not as your king, but as your father, your grandsire, your husband, and all those things that he said. I was just like, oh my God, I love you, Viserys, but please die. I love the dinner scene, and I like the toast that Rhaenyra and Alicent give each other, because you really can't tell if they're being genuine or fake for the sake of Viserys. And Chandra, I'm one of those people that was hating on Viserys so hard. And I just called you Chandra, but <laughs> I was That's hating sick. on him so hard. I was like, he's a horrible king. He's too soft. He like, but this episode really made me sad that we're not going to get any more of him. And I just I changed my mind on him. I did a 180 flip on my perspective. But I also love that the moment he left the dinner table, all hell broke loose. So that goes to show he really is the pillar of this family. 
and I feel like things are only going to get crazier from this point Yeah, on. you you see that they have like they weren't gonna do anything with him, and they were trying to show him respect. There were still digs in there, quiet digs from the kids to each other. You know, Amen is like, oh, do you know where to put it in that <laughs> I could teach you and all this stuff. And then you have okay, let's talk about Amon. He has that Matt Smith smug face. The whole episode, he has the same perched lips. Every scene you see him, and he's just like he's all business. He's a he's all warrior. He doesn't care about. He's like I don't give a shit about tourneys. When Cole's like, oh, you could you'll be winning tourneys soon. He's like I don't give a shit about that. Like, wh what are your impressions of the new person playing him? Um, really like him so far. Definitely like reflective of Damon. Like you were saying, like he he has that sort of Damon esque Matt Smith vibe. There's even like the standoff after like after everything is said and done and they just like walk past each other. Like Damon's like he sees himself in Aegon. Uh Aemon, sorry, not Aegon. You I really he's like him so far. Yeah, he's saying, uh, you remind me of me, you little punk. But you know, he could <laughs> Yeah. Right now, you know, Damon will just kill him in a second. Uh, but that's a kind of thing that we're going to see that in the future. I mean, the the way they, they shot it, you're like, hmm, this is going to be interesting when time goes by. Did you notice how he looks older than Aegon? <laughs> I was about to say, I do think he looks older than the rest of them. I don't know if that bugs me yet. <laughs> I have to see more, but I do like the casting choice a lot. I've never seen anything from him, but I thought he did a fantastic job. Same. I, I really, at first it bugged me because Tony, was it you and I who were messaging where we we're like, like, why does he look older than yeah, Aegon? Yeah. And you were like, let's just wait for the podcast. But <laughs> I, at first it did, but at the same time, it sort of makes sense because Aemon has been fighting for his place. Like he's a warrior now. Like he's combating against Sir Kristen Cole in the, in like in the yard. And he probably is more muscular and like maybe taller and then there's Aegon who is just fucking and like being a little twerp the whole time. Like he's not gaining any muscle and he just looks the way he looks. And he, now he's married to his sister. But that's another thing. Like I know it was implied, but it was never mentioned, right? Like Aegon married his sister. Like they didn't actually mention it. Uh, I can't remember. I I know that there was like a subtle hint in the previous episode when Aemon, um, Aegon are talking and he goes, oh, I would do it for duty. But mm. it never says that they're actually married. You know, it's funny uh, when Allison had her two kids marry each other and she's doing all she can to get rid of the Targaryen dynasty inside <laughs> King's Landing. She's she's removing all those orgy murals. You ever saw those? Like in the side of the, the, the show in the first few episodes when they're walking through the castle, you just see like, these massive orgy <laughs> murals, like all those are gone. Now it's all the, the seven and all this. And she's doing all that, but then she still marries her kids together. But I, I guess we just, haven't. Yeah, go I ahead. Think, sorry. I think she's just so power hungry that she knows if she marries her two kids together one day, if Aegon, like her goal is still for Aegon to become king, then she'll have two of her kids on the throne, not just one. I, that's the impression I get, that she's just so power hungry. Like I feel like Otto, her dad is was the person who who said that they should do that and it's funny because he he doesn't have much to say in this episode <laughs> and it feels like you know he keeps saying i speak for the king but then when they have the small council meeting it's allison who's running it she's the one that's saying what what we're gonna do but we haven't really talked about helena's character 
Mania. Like she, everybody's referring to her as the Luna Lovejoy or of the show because she's a called a Dragon Dreamer. So she's basically predicting everything that's happening so far. If you when you rewatch it, just listen to everything she says, and it always happens the next episode. They're talking to Allison is talking to Amon, and he goes, "I don't have a dragon," and then she just says. Well, he'll have to lose an eye. They show says it so <laughs> I didn't catch that, yeah. Subtly. And wow. then she says something about the green and the black dread. And so yeah, make sure when you rewatch the show, every time she talks, she she listens. I mean, every time she talks, listen. Wasn't her, her little toast funny about <laughs> she's like, What did she say? I can't remember, but she's basically called Ama uh Aegon a drunk and or I do you guys remember what what she said? I actually I don't remember exactly what she said, but I remember being confused by what she said. I think she said watch your feet or something, right? I can't remember that, but at the I remember something said like being married isn't all that bad. Mostly he just ignores you anyway, especially when he's drunk. Or, or not when he's not when he's drunk, he doesn't ignore you. And then like everyone like chuckled or whatever, but yeah, it was like um Actually, let me go back to the, one of the first scenes in the show of episode eight that I thought was handled really well. One of the uh, Knights Guard, uh, King's Guard, sorry, comes to Alice and says, hey, we have an issue with the prince. And we find out that he, he raped the girl, right? Pretty much the servant girl. Now, the the director and the writer are both women. Let me ask you a question. If this was Game of Thrones season five, would they have shown Aegon raping the servant girl? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that it worked so well of not showing it. And I thought the way Allison handled it was so great. Her acting was so great in this scene because she's telling her, I believe you. I believe you. Because deep down, she knows he's a pretty much a drunk and uh, rapist. She does reverse psychology. Did you notice? Like, well, you know, I believe you. But now if you go out and say anything, they're going to think that you're trying to besmirch his honor and and you don't want that. Like, so what was your impression of that scene of one, not showing that rape scene and, and the way it was handled? Same. I thought I, I was like, okay, based on how everything is in Game of Thrones, Allison is hugging her and I'm like, oh God, it's going to be like a Jon Snow and Daenerys. Like she's going to stab her in the gut, like, you know. And then at the same time, I was thinking, well, Allison is very sympathetic towards women because she's been in that place before, even though she is sort of using reverse psychology. Like, please don't tell anyone because I love my son as well, even though he's a shit ass. At the same time, she compensates. Like, she's like, I'm going to take care of you. You're not going to have a baby and you're going to have some money. If that was like a man, like I say, like a king regent, or something like that, like, I don't think the same thing would have been done. I think that she she takes care of the woman in a way that's, like, not entirely disrespectful. Yeah, I thought she was going to get killed for sure. But, yeah, cause, because we're seeing Allison, well, from the previous episode, we're seeing her kind of ascend into her madness almost. Like, people are saying she's going to be the Cersei of this show so i was like oh maybe we're gonna see a crazy side of allison but she was actually very sympathetic and i thought her reaction was was very nice for lack of a better word i just i i was nice to see like again just not off with her head kind of behavior and more so okay i believe you let's fix this type of thing what can we do to fix it yeah i was waiting for any second for her to like look back and okay grab her (laughs) 
Yeah. But mm -hmm. it, I, it was just a, a, a beautifully acted uh, by Olivia Cook. You could see her face, and she and she gave the face of again, like I, this is another girl. Like he's probably done it so many times now because she goes to his bed, and she takes the sheets off. We see his, of course, we gotta see his white ass, you know. <laughs> and she's like, and he's like, what, 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 what did I do? Like again, I mentioned it in another thing. Like he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be king. Like he doesn't, he couldn't give a shit about that. Like she knows that she wants him to be king, but she knows he's gonna be an awful king, and she's she's putting up with it only because that's her son. And but then she says, "You're no son of mine." Um, yeah, that was the scene where I was like, "Okay, that got his attention." When Allison said that to him, because at first he's like, "Oh, whatever, just don't stop waking me up, stop disturbing me," and then she just yells in his face, "You are no son of mine!" And then he's like, "Mom, please, <laughs> <laughs> mommy." <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, oh yeah, because he goes, oh, I can never please you or, or father. I'm like, yeah. please, father. He's, of, he's in a yeah. coma in the last six years. Like, yeah, I, I do him. kind of feel bad for him because I really feel like he doesn't want it. He doesn't want that life. Yet Allison keeps like pushing him into it. And I so, think he yeah. looks. I was like, go ahead. No, I mean, again, he's a little shit, but at the same time, I feel bad for him in the sense of that's not the life he would want if he had the choice to choose. And he, he, I want to say he's a full-blown alcoholic. Mm -hmm. like he drinks, he's pretty much Tyrion times 10. And I think that's why he looks the way he looks because he doesn't look healthy at all. Like his eyes are, mm -hmm. his, he has super bags There's in his eyes. In, yeah. He's like and malnourished, yeah. The show is doing their best to have us with Team Black, which is Team Renera. And to be loving her kids. But then we have Luke, who's kind of a dick. Because they put a roasted pig next to Eamon. And he starts laughing. And we know why he's laughing. Because, no, episode six. They make fun of him with the pig. Because he doesn't have a dragon. Mm -hmm. So Eamon does, again, a perfect scene for him. He doesn't say much. But every time he talks, it's just like, oh, shit. And he goes, I want a uh, blessing to my nephew's health. And I hope they're three strong boys. <laughs> and he goes, what? I'm just saying they're strong boys. Well, what's the problem? He knew what he was doing. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew what he would start. Yeah. And that's going <laughs> to happen. Like that shit, like it, <laughs> it reminds me of like Marty McFly. <laughs> don't call me chicken. <laughs> like he gets all, they're like, don't call me strong. Yeah. Um, but they kind of know. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's go to the last, last scene. And we um, get to see Viserys. He's pretty much in his dying breath. Now, this is so much speculation with this last scene. And he's talking about the <laughs> Song of Ice and Fire. He's talking about the prince that was promised. And people are like, stop saying that because the show ruined it. <laughs> Game of Thrones. You're sticking it in our faces. Do you think he thought that was Rhaenyra? Yes. He was speaking to and I feel like even Allison knew that he wasn't talking to her because she was confused by the conversation. She went like, huh, what are you talking about? But I think she just got excited hearing the name. And she's like, oh, he wants him to be king. That's it. Which is weird because there's so many effing Aegons. I know. <laughs> so like, but, yeah, about 15 minutes before that, before Viserys died, my husband was like, I can't keep because there was Reyna, Rainies, Rhaenyra. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no, I was like trying to explain to him because he can't keep track of it. I just find that this is actually the example that this is not to their like benefit 
because yeah, Allison thinks that it's her Aegon, not the egg that not Aegon the first. And like this is this is why we need more names. Like <laughs> Oh and now Venera's Aegon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she yeah. Aegon. And Viserys. And Viserys. so yeah, Micah was just like, uh, I can't I can't keep track of it. And then I was just we were just laughing at the point where Allison was confusing Aegon with Aegon. I'm gonna say that Patty Constantine. If he doesn't get any kind of recognition, I'm not saying he's going to win an Emmy, but he needs to be nominated. He he went all out in this episode. He was the star. His last his last word was my love. I told my wife, I think, no, I think my wife said, oh, he's talking about his first wife. Like he's seeing her like he's That's going what to, I thought too. Yeah. Because he, he really loved her like with all mm-hmm. his heart. <laughs> I, I didn't know that that's the last word because actually Julia and I were talking about this earlier and, and she's like, what did he say in the last, like, what was the last thing he said? And I was like, I don't know. I think I have to rewatch the last thing. Yeah, because it cuts to black and then in the caption it says, my love. Uh, or, or maybe he says, my love, and then he stops and then breathing. It, and then, yeah, that was it. Yeah. All right. So episode eight. Manya, you told me your score. You told the world your score last night on I did. Instagram. I did. I was just, I I was in awe with that episode. I really liked it. I thought it was perfect in my opinion. So I'm, I have to give it a 10 out of 10. Maybe I'm too generous with my grading with the show, but not a moment where I was bored. It was like a mini movie length. Again, you know how I feel about running time, but I didn't even, I wasn't bored a second. So many memorable scenes in there. So many memorable performances. So yeah, 10 out of 10 for me. I think I only wrote an 8 out of 10, but that could change after a rewatch. I'm thinking like based on serialized, they don't really let you do a whole lot of, well, they do let you do half stars, but yeah, maybe like a four and a half out of five. Yeah, I'm going to do nine, not 9.5, but close. I just love that scene with Viserys coming into the throne room. It's it's one of the most powerful scenes of any Game of Thrones episode. Yeah, so I, I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it in your podcast because you're going more depth. But I'm, yeah. I'm sure Satch will be 10 <laughs> out of 10. Uh, I think this one's probably, just because of um, Patty's performance, my favorite so far. Um, all right, so let's start with the questions here. Um, first one, some guy, who, who is this? Oh, Views by Quinn. Quinn, he asked, uh, actually, we talked about horror, but he asked, overall thoughts on the horror as a genre? Is it one of your favorites or not? For me, it's never really been my favorite genre or even in the top at all. But um, two years ago, we started watching horror movies in October as soon as I started my film Instagram. And um, it's growing on me. I'm not like super super horror I don't really delve into like all of the subgenres or anything like that but I was really scared of horror when I was younger and now I'm like sort of breaking the ice and I'm like getting more accustomed to it I think well I know your answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love it it was the first genre I actually watched the first movie I watched was a horror movie not including animated movies but it just I loved it I was so scared and once that scare wore off, I was like, ooh, I like this. So yeah, I like it. I, I understand it's a genre where you have to go through a lot to find the good ones. I like it. It's versatile. It, there's so many drop there. You could get com- like comedy in it, drama in it, everything. So yeah, I've, I think I mentioned in the first episode that it's 
I don't. It's not that I don't like. It's just my least favorite. I don't like gravitate. But I will say that the last few years, the genre has been elevated mm-hmm. with really good movies. Maybe the past what eight years, think, ten years. Yeah, I think art house horror is becoming more popular, which I think that's what movie fans in general like, like like more than just your cheesy B horror kind of movies. All right, next question is from Luke underscore reviews. He always sends good questions. Um, what classic horror movie, no matter how good, would make for a good modern day remake? Mm-hmm. And what director would be the best for that job? So I'm doing my 31 days of Halloween right now. So after record this, I have to go watch a movie. But um, I just watched The Faculty again, which is one of my favorite 90s horror movies. I think it would be cool if they remade that and brought the old cast back as the faculty. Just a silly thought, but I think if they were going to remake it, that would be cool. And I don't know, someone who can do campy movies and make them fun, who directed Ready or Not, I would probably have that guy. I really liked Ready or Not, actually. It's it's a good one. <laughs> it's one of those movies that you don't expect it to be good, but it ends up being good. Did you see The Invitation, Mania? The new one? Yeah, the new one. I have not. I heard it's not that good. I didn't either, but it sort of gave me Ready yeah. or Not vibes. Yeah, so I would do, I, I love The Exorcist. I would do, <laughs> I did a post last year with Agnolo. We had to like make our own story and I picked for director Robert Eggers and I picked his style of directing and I wrote Jordan Peele to write it. <laughs> and I wrote like, it's going to be like in the, I want the exorcist like in the 1600s uh, where there's no like modern technology or anything kind of, I don't know. It would be kind of scary. And then I, I picked the, the actress from System Crasher to be the possessed girl. And she is, uh, her name is Helena Zingle. Zingle. She came out in that movie with Tom Hanks as well. So yeah, that would be my pick. I guess one that I would really like to be remade would be World War Z because I did not like World War Z. I didn't either. <laughs> the book is so good and oh, I don't know what they did with it, but I love the South Park episode where like they make fun of it. It's spot on. Okay, uh, let me just go to the next question. Um, the Arab Khaleesi, Minwah, or guest from last week. She's, <laughs> this is a, Actually, another tough question. Tough but fun. Uh, which characters from Lord of the Rings, GOT, and House of the Dragon do you think would get along and be friends? So I think Tyrion and Gimli would be friends because they like to drink and eat and all that stuff. That, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, House of the Dragon, I guess, who else is similar to well, that? We, we all know Aegon drinks a lot. <laughs> yeah, maybe Aegon. There you go. Those three. <laughs> Okay. I think Tyrion would rip Aegon apart. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, who else is like a big fun person in House of the Dragon? And I think um, Grima Wormtongue and Littlefinger would get along. And Lord Laris Strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those three. All three of them would be hanging out. Uh, I think I'll go with what you said. Again, my knowledge on Lord of the Rings is not the best. I've only seen the movies once a couple of years ago so i definitely need to rewatch it and broaden my knowledge on it i'll once. tell you this much though i love yeah once yeah okay mr i don't like harry potter one i didn't say that i said it was my number six you didn't have to say it okay Shan, you heard the podcast did i say i didn't like it i'm sorry having something six in a seven book it's no 
I don't really like Harry Potter that much at all, so don't crucify me. That's fine. I'm okay with you not liking it at all, but to like it and say one is one of the worst. I didn't say that. I said it is one of my <laughs> least favorites. You didn't I said, have to. I said that um, every Next year, question, Tony. To, Next question. <laughs> every year we watch it and I enjoy it, but it's kind of little campy and cute, but it's I, not like... I like Harry Potter a lot, but... Um... It just never stuck with me as much as the Lord of the Rings. And That's I'm rewatching it with my husband for the first time. He's never seen any of it. And he hated the Chamber of Secrets. Absolutely Everybody despised it. Chamber- I don't hate any of them, to be honest with you. But I do agree that that's one of the weaker ones. Yeah, I got upset. I was like, okay, I get it. But like, this is world building. Like, mm-hmm. this is why it is the way it is. You just think. I don't know. If you ask annoying. me, my favorite fantasy is probably Chronicles of Narnia. So. <laughs> I'm with you there. I haven't watched anything but the first one. I mean, the books alone are so good. I think I've read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe like eight times. Wow. If not more. (laughs) Which is that part two? I don't know. Well, technically it's the second book, but the movie started. How many movies? I I don't even know how many movies there are. Three. three. (laughs) That's it? They stopped? But there's like Um, seven or eight novels. I think eight. I haven't read all of them. But, yeah. Was it not making any money? That's why they stopped? I think so. Okay. I think also the child actors got too old and they like didn't know what to do. They could get other actors? <laughs> I love her. They didn't know what to do. They just they didn't could, know what to do. Like the, the They could be like Stranger guys. Things. They look like they're 25, but they're still in high school. <laughs> Movies, music, me, Liam says, when are y'all coming on? Yeah, no, no, yeah. Yeah, well, no, no. whatever you want dude uh also his, his his question is also what's a scene that scared you most recently i don't know if you guys watched that 2020 movie host the one with the skype call one mm-hmm. um or sorry zoom it's actually on zoom so there was that scene with the filter like that was on nothing but like it was like a ghost i don't know that scene really got to me oddly that movie got to me i'm not gonna lie it was pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So from my read, like from recent movies that came out, that's the one scene I can think of that actually scared me. That and the scene we talked about in Barbarian in the Attic, zooming out with her in there, that scene kind of was bone chilling too. Yeah. I'm going to say Barbarian when they're in that tunnel and you can't see her, but you can see the outline. Mm. And I'm like, fuck, that's just scary. <laughs> uh, so that scared me a lot. Um, the one that comes to mind is actually from last year. I watched Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time, and it's I think the scene when she's like being dragged in the in the like in the hallway. Mm-hmm. I think that one really stuck with me. It wasn't necessarily like the scariest thing, but it's the most memorable thing because even though she's dreaming, she's like seeing herself being dragged by Freddy. I need to watch. You're talking about the original, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to watch that again because I think the last time I watched it, I was a kid. Okay, we have a few more. We have um, our favorite guy, movie move underscore IE lover. He always sends questions. Uh, this one is an easy one. Favorite ice cream flavor? Either vanilla or pistachio for me. Those vanilla. are my go-tos. Yeah, vanilla. matches my personality. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an easy question. I love all ice cream except mint chocolate chip. Thank you. Thank you. Man, chocolate oh, chip. <laughs> I, would just, I, I just thought about Michael Scott for a second. <laughs> I think I'll eat it if I have to, like because ice cream is ice cream, but like 
chocolate chip cookie dough with vanilla ice cream. If you go to Dairy Queen, do you guys have Dairy Queen? Just making sure it's not a Midwestern thing. Um, if you get a blizzard at Dairy Queen, you have to you have to ask for the hot like without the hot fudge because mm-hmm. their cookie dough ice cream is like with chocolate ice cream. They make it really complicated. Like I'll say, like if I'm going out to the drive-through, this is, I'm getting really in depth now. <laughs> <laughs> If you go to the drive-thru and you say i want cookie dough blizzard without the chocolate ice cream they'll say back to you we don't put it we don't make it with chocolate ice cream we put hot fudge and then we make chocolate ice cream just so it's chocolate leave it vanilla ice cream. <laughs> just leave it vanilla that's all i want that's all i'm asking just like just the vanilla ice cream <laughs> you know what uh we're addicted to the mcdonald's like vanilla cones i kid you not i eat like four of those a week Oh my gosh, I can't. Uh, I I don't like the taste of vanilla. I don't like it. Um, what? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't like chocolate. So cookies and yeah. cream from uh Blue Bell ice cream, which is mm-hmm. like freaking ten bucks. Yeah, I could eat that whole thing. But I love the Ben and Jerry's, the double fudge, the chocolate. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, yeah, chocolate or cookies and cream. That's it. I love dark chocolate bits. Like if I can get like a black cherry with dark chocolate bits in there. Mm, so good. Also, actually, um, we're getting in depth with ice cream. <laughs> um, uh, Dairy Queen has, I when we go to Dairy Queen, it's usually a Oreo blizzard. Um, but I like to get chocolate ice cream with the Oreos, not vanilla. <laughs> and I'll do like a, a chocolate cone. In New York, we grew up with Carvel. Um, there's no Carvels around and there used to be one, but it, I think it went out of business, but they used to, they were like ginormous. Uh, you can't see me, but it was like 10 inches and they would put chocolate sprinkles. Oh my God. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I want one right now. Uh, okay. Next question. The same guy, uh, movie, <laughs> on this car, you lover, uh, favorite sitcom growing up as a kid, when you were a kid, what was your favorite comedy or sitcom? Three's Company. I didn't grow up here, so I kind of had a late start. So I'm going to go with Boy Meets World. <laughs> so, Shannon, you just said Three's Company, and it warms my heart because I grew up, you know, I was born in 79, and then I have my siblings that were born in, 60, you know, in the 60s. And they got me hooked to reruns of <laughs> Three's Company. And I love this so much that I used to record. I take my, I still have eight VHS tapes full of Three's Company episodes. <laughs> I just need to buy a VCR. Uh, so that was one of my favorites. And then I also love Honeymooners. I love Lucy. Mm. Uh, I used to watch those on repeat. So yeah, old school yeah. sitcoms and, you know, Cheers and stuff like that. I was never into Friends when I was growing up. But those are the ones that I would watch on repeat, like literally repeat. I could yeah. quote everything. Three's Company, Friends, um, Boy Meets World, my, my sister and I would love Boy Meets World. But I liked the older ones, like when they were like in college mm-hmm. more than I liked the ones when they oh, were really? in middle school. I don't know. I, I like all of them. And then you get so attached to the characters once you get to the college. I think that's why you like those episodes probably more because you're already so attached to the characters. I love them all. I, I loved yeah. it all the way through. <laughs> One more. Third Rock from the Sun is also a favorite of mine. I love that show. That's so good. I love that every episode is named dick something <laughs> the title of every episode is dick or dick knows not or something with dick <laughs> I, don't, I just remember that and john lithgow so the whole cast is perfect that's why dexter ruined me <laughs> season four <laughs> i remember i mentioned that in your podcast i said that 
the first four seasons of Dexter was one of the best TVs uh, series ever. And that my wife stopped watching midway through season four because she started having nightmares of John Lithgow. Yeah, She's like, I'm that. done. <laughs> I'm done with this show. Um, okay. All right. Last question from Sach, the film's critic, your co-host. He asks, is this episode eight? Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I heard you talking to him on your episode. Your episode. You're like, isn't it funny? You're like, is this the best episode two of... <laughs> Is I told him, I said, bro, you need to chill with that. I t- and I called him out, remember? And I was yeah. just like, calm down. <laughs> and I said, no, he actually, I, and I sent him a, uh, I sent him a message today. I said, hey, uh, Shan's on tonight. Make sure to send the question, but please do not ask, is this episode eight the best episode eight <laughs> of any Game of Thrones show? He said, all right. So he actually sent a good question. <laughs> right now, he says, who's winning an Emmy for House of the Dragon season one? Answers required from all three of you. Wow, <laughs> okay, so Shan. demanding. <laughs> all right, Shan, yeah, you go. I'm going to message him right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I agree with what you said, Tony, earlier. Um, Viserys, um, Patty, Constantine, Constantine, whatever yeah, his name is. I say Constantine. It says yeah. D-I-N-E, so I'm going to say Dine. Maybe it's something Constantine. different. Constantine. Constantine. Anybody else? Or do you think that's Patty's? Um, stand out? I feel like... Olivia Cook has been really good too. I just don't know if it's like Emmy level good. So I'm gonna it, go. I'm gonna go with Patty three for three. <laughs> I love Emma Darcy's Renera so much. Me too. But I don't know if they'll give her an Emmy for just four episodes. Who knows? <laughs> but I think the older versions of yeah. the characters are. I was gonna ass. say. I know everyone's complaining that oh, bring our original Renera back. But I actually think Emma Darcy has been doing. I'm not saying there's a better job than Millie Alcock. <laughs> not no, to I say mean, Millie did a bad job. I loved her version of Rhaenyra too, but I just, I don't know. Something about Emma Darcy's acting and her look just draws me into the character. I'm going to pick Patty as well, but Olivia and Emma have been so amazing. And I just know that the more we get to see them in season two and three, uh, I'm pretty sure they'll win M- awards for season two. All right, then. So I think that's it for the questions. So before we head out, Chandra, where can our listeners find you? You can find me at Film Forager on Instagram. And if you're interested in listening to my Lord of the Rings <laughs> podcast with Satch, it's Fellowship Mike. And Tony, where can they find us? <laughs> uh, they can find us at the underscore real spotlight on Instagram. And I'll save you a lot of times there's just a link for the link tree and you can find everything there. And then Shan, thanks for coming on. I know that when I first started this thinking about a podcast, you guys were the first people that I was going to ask. So I'm happy that you finally here and I hope it's just the first of many visits. Yeah. Thank you guys for both having me again, Chandra. Thank you so much for joining us. This was such a fun time. Thank you for listening. And until next time. All right. Peace out. <laughs>